We're going to continue on the topic of transformation. It's a subject that's very complex, and I'm very excited to share about it. The reason why it's such a complex subject is because there's so many opinions and thoughts about what it means to serve God. And the way I want us to see transformation as we go through this series is when God found you and you were born again, all of your mess and struggles and wrong thinking, from that point to where you are where God really wants you to be, walking in all the fullness of God, in all the power and glory of God on this earth. That is how I want us to see transformation. And in this series, I really feel in my heart to take my time and really let the Holy Ghost paint a picture. And I think it's so important because there's what we do understand about how God wants us to grow and and walk in all that He has. We have to dismantle some wrong thinking before we can accept the real, the fullness of what He has for us. And the church as a whole has done a good job in touching the nation and in touching lives, encouraging people. But it's not anywhere near the fullness of what we read in Scripture, the promises of God. We can quote the promises of God, but we need to walk in them and, and see the fruit of that in our life. And I don't want us to ever lower the standard of the promises of God. I want us to hold those standards high on the Word of God and the promises of God and the faith of God, and then us rise up and grow up to that standard. And unfortunately, because people have gotten tired or frustrated with trying to achieve something that's impossible by their own means, I've seen the standard lower in many of our churches where the idea is go to church and change. Be better. Be a better person. Don't lie too much. Don't cheat on your taxes too much. Don't yell at your kids too much. And then go faithfully to church. And that seems to be the standard. Give some of your time to help feed the poor and win the lost and and give finances to the church. That seems to be the standard that generically is accepted around the world as Christianity. And that's one of the reasons why the world now doesn't look at Christianity as something that's powerful, life-changing. They see it as just another religion next to many other philosophies of how to live. And I believe that in these last days, God is desiring for us to rise up to that place to where He wants us. But the only way that's going to happen for you, for me, for the church, is through the process of transformation. And I want to take my time and paint a picture. And at the end of the series, I'm trusting that you'll have in you the same vision that God's given me of what is transformation. And it helps explain why we struggle, why we have to pray and fast. You, you say, well, Brother Ann, you talk so much about praying in tongues and fasting and, and meditating the Word and confessing the Word. And, and there's a reason for that, because those things are inside of transformation. And I know that if I can grow an inch of in God, grow stronger in God, in other words, grow an inch in the impossible, because the growth from God is in the impossible realm, it's in the spiritual realm. It's not in the natural realm. If it was in the natural realm, he would have told the Old Testament saints to, to transform. But they couldn't because they had nothing to transform into. You do. You may have started a certain way and been born of a certain family, but you've been born into another family called the family of God. And in the family of God, there's power of healing, power of prosperity. There's power of freedom from sin. 
over devils. There's power to walk in this earth, the power of love, of God's love, power of holiness in this earth to walk that way. And there's a process to transform from where you are to where that promise is, to live this on this earth like that. But the only path to there is not in your own strength. It's not in discipline. It's not from the natural man. It's not by natural means. The only possible way to transform is through spiritual means. In other words, you cannot get the impossible from the possible. And because of that, I've seen the church as a whole, I'm not talking about your church or you, but the church as a whole has brought down the impossible standard of God that says you should live in holiness. You should be perfect in love. You should be walking in power and in prosperity and in strength in this world. And we've kept the promises, but we've lowered the way to get there from going through transformation to going through change or conforming. And as I've said, conformity is not the same as transformation. And change is not the same as transformation. If you change or conform, you're using your natural ability, your natural strength, your natural willpower to mold yourself into who you think God wants you to be. And many times we'll confess the promises of God and we'll say, and we'll try to mold into that, but that's not what God told us to do. He told us to transform. So let me start with our core verse and I'm going to do my best to paint a picture today with the scripture. I ask for your patience as I go through this. Thank you for sticking with me as we go through this series. I really feel in my heart to go slow and to allow layer upon layer of truth so we can really see the opportunity that you and I, no matter where we start, no matter what we're going through, through the help of God and the help of certain tools that God's given to us, can not just be like something, we can actually become that in our life on this earth. We don't have to wait to heaven to be perfect or strong or holy uh, or free from our past or free from brokenness. Uh, no matter where we're, where we're at, there's a path that God has for us, and He'll give us the help on this path as long as we stay on that path. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. These are key verses in this series. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So we're going to start with this, that he tells you to present your body. So the first thing in this I want us to remember is he doesn't say your body is you. He doesn't say, I want you to present yourself as a living sacrifice. He tells you, I want you to present your body. So he separates your, your body, the outward man, from you. It's important you know that. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So he says, don't be conformed into this world, but be transformed. Now we're going to get into all that soon, but before we do that, I need to lay the background. Because we need to know why. Why do I need to transform? I mean, why didn't I just get saved. And and understand, most of us, we got born again, praise God, but we didn't know what was happening when we got born again. Most of us, it was 
unless you ask Jesus in your heart, you're going to hell. And for years, I thought I had a little Jesus in my heart. I mean, I had a little Jesus. He ran around. He had a kitchen in there and a bedroom. And, you know, he ran around inside of me. And it wasn't until I learned from Pastor Dave Roberson that Jesus in my heart was actually the new nature of God that came from Jesus' sacrifice. That God now birthed me into his family, turning me into a new creation and giving me access to spiritual strength, to heavenly strength, to overcome my problems and to walk in holiness instead of just relying on my own ability. Now, what I'm sharing with you in this, this session should be taught in Christianity 101. But it's not. And why did it take me 30 years of being a preacher, of praying and seeking God, reading His Word and listening and learning? Why did it take me so long to begin to see these things? It's a shame that it's not in our church vocabulary. It forces Christians to live a shallower lifestyle than than they could. And I believe it's time for this revelation to come forward of truth of why? Why do we have to go through transformation? God, you know, many people, you'll hear, I went to church, I asked Jesus in my heart, I did it with all my heart, I, I wasn't pretending. But then a week later, I'm struggling, and I thought I was set free. I thought I was a new person. I must be just, I must not have been born again, or I'm just that weak. And they give up on trying to walk in holiness and they lower the standard. They find a lower standard where they can feel like they've accomplished something. And I don't blame them. When you when people don't think it's possible and they feel like a failure, I don't blame them for finding a message that says, it's okay, you are accepted by God. And so we need to get all that garbage out and learn that, yes, there is a high call of God and it's going to cost you everything. This gospel is not here to make you happy. It's here to cost you everything so God could participate with you in touching your family, touching your city, and touching the world. It's not about just making you happy or wealthy. And this needs to be taught in every church. This should be 101 in Christianity. Get saved, get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now let me teach you why you need to go and pray in tongues and why you shouldn't just go get busy serving God. I think it's good for everyone to serve God, but serving God has has become so much more than just helping out or being involved. Serving God has become a replacement for knowing God. It's become a replacement for growing in God. And and I went through that. I went through a time of just serving, serving, busy, 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 and that serving had taken place in my life of my relationship with God. And thank God he rescued me and helped me to see the pathway to grow into the man of God he wants me to be. Now, I'm not preaching to you from the mountaintop saying, look at me, I've got it all together. Everything's perfect. If you want to be like me, then listen to my message. I'm I'm preaching from the valley, from I'm still going through things. I'm still receiving healing in my body. I'm not completing the transformation, but I won't let go of the standard. So I'm not preaching from a mountaintop. I'm preaching from the valley saying, I still believe that it is possible for you and I to walk in a holiness and a love that the world has not seen, and also for God to work through us in power to see the sick healed and devils cast out in power. 
Now I'm over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to just share with you kind of the way the Lord showed me as I as this image grew in me of transformation. And I think it's important that we get out of the idea that once I'm saved, I just change my habits. And that is, I mean, that's the start. But that's not transformation. Transformation is taking you from one species into a whole different species. Who's smarter than God to find a way to have you get born into his family? He found you in a different species, a fallen species, a species that was on the way to hell, that was dead inside. When I say dead, I mean distant from God, separated from God. And he found you. When your faith received faith to be born again, he birthed you out of that family into his family. But he had to leave this outward body on you. And that new nature came inside of you, your, your inner man. Your inner man came to life. It lit up like a fireworks and lights. And all of a sudden, darkness left it. But you were still left with the outward man, dark. And now there was a, a warfare of light versus dark. Righteousness versus sin. But your nature is now righteous. You just have a body that likes sin or likes the world. And doesn't understand God. But there's a battle. Now you can either live your whole life thinking out of the natural man. Uh, making decisions out of the natural man. Feeling out of the natural man. Or you can learn what I'm sharing with you. And see that I can actually transform from living out of my natural mind. My natural emotions. And I can jump over and begin to live out of my spiritual man. Where I see things and think things and feel things by God, by the Word of God, by truth. Before I go to 2 Corinthians, I'm going to hold this marker here. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, we'll start in verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God had obtained before the ages of our glory. So he's saying there's a wisdom. There's a natural wisdom and there's a spiritual wisdom. When you see this picture I'm painting, you understand that I have access to natural wisdom. But natural wisdom is from the possible realm. Wisdom on how to have a better family, how to have finances, how to be successful in life, how to change your lifestyle. All that is is good, but if it comes from the natural world, from the possible realm, if people can do it who are not born again, then it's from the natural world. So when you listen to a motivational speaker who's, who's not born again, and he's telling you how to do better, he's doing his best with his natural ability, and you can accomplish a lot, and I think those are healthy. But don't be confused. That has no power in transformation. That only only has power in conforming and changing but the real power is in transformation that only comes from the spiritual realm and you are a spiritual creature and a natural creature at the same time that's why you can pray to god and sip your coffee you get up in the morning to pray early your natural body complains but you give it coffee and it calms down a little bit let's read up in verse one of chapter two and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come in excellence 
of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. See, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. However, we do speak of wisdom. We're not wisdom-less. You know, many people are like, well, you faith people, you just you need to use your brain. You shouldn't just be stupid and believe. But that's not what we're saying. We're saying, I refuse to build my faith on natural wisdom. I build my faith on spiritual wisdom. So, you need to see the difference. There is wisdom that comes from this world that is called human wisdom that your carnal brain can understand and receive. But you also have a spiritual mind of, of the inner man that is born again and alive and can understand the deep things of God. And that's the message here. That now, because we're born again, we can understand this spiritual wisdom, this great deep things of God. He's not hiding it from us. We can learn it, but we can only learn it when we go to His school. We can't learn it when we go to a human school. No matter how emotional it is, a lot of Spiritual things or emotional things are called spiritual. It's natural emotions, not spiritual emotions. We want to grow in the wisdom of God because that is transformation. Now let's go over to back over to Second Corinthians, chapter four, and we'll start in verse three. Again, I'm just trying to paint a picture, and in painting a picture of truth, if you inner man, if you agree with what I'm saying then if you can see what I'm saying in the scripture, then you can start to really see how important it is to pray in tongues. Really see how important it is to meditate the word and confess the word. Really see how important it is to worship and fast. So much that you become, you'll be talking like me, that you want to spend time doing those things rather than just trying to accomplish something for God. Because when we do these things and are in transformation, we give God more that He can do through us. And really, that's the, the greatest honor, is having God work through you. Instead of you work for God and give Him credit, when He starts to work through you, you're just in awe. And that's why you can tell someone who, who has paid the price in transformation, because their testimonies are so much different. When someone is in conformity or changing into Christianity, You'll hear testimonies like, I did this, and that caused God to do this. I did this, and God did that. But when you hear someone who's paid the price, because it is a price, it is an effort and a focus that you must grab hold of, they say, God did this. God did this. I want to give him all the glory. It's amazing what he did. And see, God will do amazing things in your life, in your world, through you. And you understand, I never was worthy of that. But he is. See, that's someone you know, boy, you paid the price. Why don't you and I pay the price? The right price, not the wrong price. Verse 3, chapter 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So unsaved whose minds the God of this age has blinded. So whose minds, now listen to the terminology. 
There's so much in the scripture that we just breeze through. And it's because our Christianity today is like, generally, I'm not talking about you or your church, or but generally there's such a watered-down, lower-level acceptance of what is Christianity. We're supposed to be changing the world and shaking the world. And why has it taken so long? It's because we spent too much time accepting a lower standard. We're trying to get to where the standard is what God has in the New Testament for the church. Whose mind? Talking about This talking about the Jews, but unsaved people. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded. Now listen to that terminology. Has blinded. Well, my brain doesn't have eyes. But it says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory in Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. There you see the humility. And ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we're seeing here there is a knowledge that brought to light with God with your salvation, access to knowledge. And my argument, that's spiritual knowledge, not natural knowledge. There is a knowledge available from the spiritual realm that comes from the mind of God. And you're only going to get it from God and from from the Holy Spirit or from someone who got it from the Holy Spirit. And there's wisdom from this world that is helpful and good, but it's never going to get you to the impossible. You cannot get the impossible from the possible. So let's not just settle for a nice life. Let's not settle for, man, I, I I'm got this in order, got that in order. Let's settle for a transformation where we're walking around, stomping around this world as children of God and the devil is running afraid of us because we know who we are in him. Not just we know it, we are. We know it in our inner man. So we're going to read this again because this is so much compacted in these verses. Whose minds, verse 4, the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, so unless they get born again and the image of God should shine on them. So unless they get that image of Christ in them, they'll never be able to see and their mind will never be able to understand this knowledge. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, our bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So to have that truth in us, the, the revelation, the knowledge of who God is, comes when we're born again and it opens our eyes that we're no longer blinded but we have this treasure in earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us so he's given us an image now of a clay pot and inside of that clay pot this earthen vessel is a treasure and that's the way I want you to see you you are the treasure your inner man you God is amazing. He found a way to rebirth you, to birth you into a new family, a new species, from one species to another. 
it's like going to a worm, and I'm not belittling anyone, but going to a worm. And that's why in the Old Testament you hear them say, I'm but a worm. It's like going to a worm and being able to take the the essence of life, that person or that being of the worm. Let's say the worm's name is Joe. And be able to take Joe out of the worm and place him in an eagle. And now he has to learn how to fly like an eagle, but he used to be a worm. But he's no longer a worm. And that's that's part of the idea of transformation. They didn't just take Joe and, and say, Okay, Joe, I squish you. And then take an eagle chick and say, I call you Joe. No, he actually took Joe out of the worm and put him in an eagle. But more than that, with you, you're still left with this outward body that you have to make submit. It's amazing. It's so amazing. And it's not complex. It's simple. But the simplicity is only understood in the spirit. So we have this treasure. I have this treasure. So it's not that you are, you are the treasure, but you have this treasure in earthen vessels. So I have an earthen vessel and a treasure. That's the new nature that brought to life the inner man. And I still have this outward body. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. So it talks a lot about the walk of the Spirit. Now, verse 16 and 17. I'm not going to take a lot of time here in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, we do not lose heart. So don't get, we won't get discouraged. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So here's some terminology. You have an outward man. And an inward man. Now what are you going to do with that? How are you going to take that and, and put that in your, your thinking? And I have an outward man and an inward man. And the outward man is perishing. But the inward man is being renewed day by day. And the best example I can give you is. You were. Adam was created. In fact let's. Let me read verse 17. For a light affliction which is but for a moment. What was the light affliction? All the work you do to make your outward man perish and your inward man renewed, growing in the knowledge of God. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a, more, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now let's go over to Genesis, to the beginning. And we see that God created Adam and Eve. And in Adam and Eve, he made the seed to the whole earth. Adam was made as perfect as God is perfect, as holy as God is holy. He stood and looked at God, did not feel ashamed or embarrassed, was able to look God face to face because he was he was born in the or created in the image of God. We know that when he sinned, that everything changed. And here's what I want us to see. We're going to start in Genesis one. Verse 24, and I won't say forgive me for going rambling and going through all this. I just feel so important to take my time and really take you on the path that God took me over the last 30 years and, and helped me to understand a little more. And I feel like I'm just touching the tip of all that God is and all that's possible for us. And help me to see what really happened when I was born again and why some things seem to take a long time to change and other things change quickly. Why must I focus on prayer and fasting? Why can't I just go and do things? And listen, if you lower the standard and say, 
Yeah, it's good for Christians to go out and pray for the sick. But the scripture doesn't say for us to pray for the sick. It says to pray for the sick and they will recover. He didn't tell the disciples to go pray for the sick. He told them to go heal the sick. So if we remove that last part and recover, that's eh, okay. We can go out and pray for the sick. Be healed. Nothing happens. Hey, God loves you. But if we put the standard where God is, then if we pray for them, they're supposed to be recovered. And if they're not recovered, we're the one who's lacking. So where do I go f- change where I can pray for the sick, any sick, and they will recover? We have so many people just going out praying randomly all over the place for people and, and leaving them broken and confused. And they represent God. When you pray for the sick, for someone, you represent God. It's not how it's supposed to be. When we pray for the sick, they're supposed to recover. And if they don't recover, then you should never have prayed for them. But if you lower the standard, it's okay to go pray for the sick. And just let it happen what happens. But when you raise the standard to what God says, the only way I'm praying for the sick is if they recover. And if I, I can't get them to recover, then I need to go find, where am I missing it? Where have I not grown enough or gotten? You can preach all day long, hey, you got it all, just go and do it. And that works until you run to a sick person and you can't get healed. Then what are you going to do? I've tried so many things. I'm embarrassed sometimes. I remember one time... I thought, well, I'm just not bold enough. That's why there's not bigger miracles. And God was using me, but I'd accepted a lower standard. And the idea was, I just need to be bolder. That's why God's not moving stronger. And I had a man in my service who had one leg. He'd lost it somehow. And uh, I said, sir, you want a new leg? And I had the guy come up on to the altar in front of the whole church. And I grabbed his crutch and made him hop on one leg for like, 20 minutes believing God was going because of my boldness making this poor man hop on one leg in front of the church you know letting my pride disappear that a leg was going to pop out somehow well when nothing happened after 20 minutes he got exhausted we had to let him sit down you know back to the drawing board okay that was not the re- the reason he wasn't healed was because I didn't have boldness the reason he wasn't healed wasn't because Jesus didn't want him healed Really, the reason he wasn't healed, because this man of God, this preacher who represented God, had not transformed enough that God could do that through him. And when you get tired of accepting a lower standard, you start to pursue, how do I get there? How do I make that part of my life? It's humbling to realize your only access is through God. It's humbling to know it's not just God just make it happen, that I have to spend the time to grow up and mature in the spiritual realm, or I'll always stay the same. I may change some things on the outside in the natural. Maybe I'll eat better. Maybe I'll be more faithful. Maybe I'll be more disciplined. But really, nothing's changed. I'm just a better, acting like a better worm, where God wants us to fly like an eagle. And so for me to transform into that, that's the transformation process. And we're going to get into that. I'm going to get off course here. So verse 24, Genesis 1. Therefore man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked. So Adam and Eve were naked. The man and the and his wife and were not ashamed. So they were both naked. And again, I'm trying to share with you the way the Lord tried to show me the transformation process. They were both naked. 
And they were not ashamed. They didn't notice they weren't naked. They were fine. It's like my dogs run around naked all the time. I know they got fur, but they don't know. They don't th- they're not embarrassed about being unclothed. They're dogs. Well, Adam and Eve were naked. They ran around naked and, and were showing everything and running around and were fine. I mean, God showed up and they were naked. They didn't hide anything. They didn't try to cover anything. They were not ashamed. Verse 1, chapter 3. And now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. Indeed, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may not we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Now we see the eyes again. Your eyes will be opened. I'll just leave that. Your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So basically the argument of Satan was, you really aren't having a choice because you don't know evil. There's no evil in you. So you're really not getting to choose. God says you'll die, but that's not true. But they did die. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they died. Their nature had changed from, from light to dark, from uh, righteousness to sin. And now they were actually a different creature. They became a creature of darkness instead of a creature of light. God did not create Adam in darkness. He created them as light, perfect and holy, never knowing sin, never tasting sin. And the devil brought the same temptation of pride and sin that he birthed in himself and now used it to tempt Adam and Eve. The same path that he took to fall was what he gave Adam and Eve. You don't know, you're not getting to choose, you're being controlled, all those things. But he says, your eyes will be open when, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Adam and Eve, Adam was created, Eve came from Adam. Adam was created perfect, as perfect as God is pure, perfect in the image of God. He was pure and righteous, but he was created. Now remember, he's the seed for all mankind. We were born the first time through this seed, Adam. And he was made to operate in both worlds at the same time. He was made to operate in the spiritual realm and in the natural realm. He was designed that way. So Adam, when I say Adam, I mean him, Adam. He had an inner body of spirit and an outward body of flesh, and they were connected. They were really one body. And on both spectrums, the natural and the spiritual, the brain is connected to both the natural brain and the spiritual brain. And the the heart, the emotions, what we would make call soul, it's a, a limited explanation to say, I have a soul. Your soul, you have a soul, and your soul was connected both to the natural man and the spiritual man. The inner man and the outward man, the outward body, the outward man, the inner body, the inner man. And you 
have those bodies. And they were one. Mind was one. The emotions were one. And desires were one. They were all light and pure. And they were naked and they did not know they were naked. They were not ashamed by it. Because they, their life was pure. The way they saw was through the pureness of the inner man. And they were one. They were, the outer man was, the outer body was as perfect as the inner body. But when they sinned, that new, the old nature of sin, or the, the, for them it was new. They received the nature of sin that took over the nature of righteousness and kicked it out. Now that nature of sin brought darkness to them. Now they were sinners by nature. And now their whole body, inward man and outward man, were dark, in unity. So their brain and their inner, the inner brain, the inner man, the spiritual brain, the outward man, the outward mind, the, spirit, the natural brain, the emotions, what we call like the soulish part, the emotional part, the feelings, they had feelings from the outward body and the inward body, that were in unity. They were all dark. And it says that the eyes, Satan said, your eyes will be opened. Well, what eyes were not opened? What eyes were unopened when they, before they ate of the fruit? And what eyes were opened when they ate of the fruit? The eyes is an important, and seeing is so important. Being blinded, those wordings are specific for a reason. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. What eyes is he talking about? Now remember, they were created to operate in the spiritual realm and the natural realm at the same time. They were created that way. Mankind was created to be able to walk and talk and fellowship with God and to walk on this earth and feed this body and to operate on this earth with the animals and everything else and, and with each other in the natural. That was the, the design of Adam, the design of the seed of the human race. When Adam sinned, he took that design, and instead of it being light, it became dark. But the design was still there. So every baby born from the seed of Adam is built, born with the same design. But the problem is he's born, we're born with the nature of sin. But the design is still the same. The, the, the fruit, the person still looks how God created and We are born with an inner body of spirit and a natural body on the outside. We're born that way, even though we're not saved. And we know, you hear stories of witch doctors and Satanists and different things in the, in the dark spiritual realm. Well, a lot of that's fake, but a lot of it's true. Because even though they're not saved, they have an inner body and they can access the spiritual realm. Just like we can, but they go through the dark side. We go through the light side because we're born again. So every human is born with an inner man and an outward man. And it's in unity. It's all dark, so there's no, no problem. But when you're born again, you received a new nature so that your inner body was brought to life by that new nature. So now you have a, a battle that... No creature ever has. No creature in existence has this battle which you have. And that is, now I am born again because I have a new nature. And my inner body is brought to light and life because of that new nature. 
So now the inner part of my body, the light is alive, but the outward part of my body, the outward man, is left dark. So now I have a battle between lightness and dark, between righteousness and sin, and I have to deal with that every day. And that's why you go through, even though you want to live holy, you have areas in yourself that are pulling you away from holiness. You want to serve God, but there's resistance. Where is that resistance? It's like trench warfare. Warfare. I'd much rather be a sniper who hides in a, a tower and, and shoots someone a mile away. They never see me. It just shoot, shoot, shoot. Than to be the guy in the trenches fighting knife to knife. And, and But that's what happened to you when you were born again. You were in a fight. God picked a fight for you with your outward body. And so much of the church is trying to conform their outward man instead of mortify the outward man. Trying to make it behave rather than make it bow its knee. And so, again, I'm, this is the series, and I hope, I hope I'm making sense to you. This is how God took me through this. They were created with an inner man and outward man, and I believe that they lived their life. In other words, Adam's consciousness, or Adam himself, the part of him that was Adam, because you have a new nature. You're not your new nature. You have a new nature. You have a inner body and outer body. We see this terminology. We should understand it, that we are to take our body and make it a living sacrifice. You're not your body. You have a body, and you're responsible for how you let your outer body behave. So you have a new nature. You have an inner body and an outer body. The new nature brought to light in life your inner man, but left your outward body dark. And so the way the Lord showed me was this here. Verse 6. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them, were opened, and they both knew that they were naked. So all of a sudden, they, their eyes were open. What eyes is he talking about? And they both knew that they were naked. And this is why you got to understand that you can either see through your natural eyes or you can see through your spiritual eyes. You can live out of your natural, the human uh, carnal thinking, or you can live out of the spiritual, holy, righteous, heavenly thinking. Your natural mind can never understand the things of God, but now you have a spiritual mind in your spiritual body, your inner body, that will always learn the things of God, the deep things of God, and you'll be able to comprehend this wisdom, this knowledge that comes from God. And it says they ate of the fruit, and the eyes of, the, of both of them were opened. And they knew they were naked, and they sewed leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So then he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Now verse 9 is the most horrible verse in the Bible. And the Lord called to Adam and said, Where are you? Adam, where are you? Now, he's God. He knows exactly where he is. So he wasn't playing hide and seek like, 
I don't see you, Adam, where are you? This was a horrible verse because what he's saying is, Adam, where are you? Where is my son, my child, my, the one that I created in my image? Where are you? You no longer exist. You're different. You're no longer who I made you. And he's saying you are now a different species than me. We're not family anymore because you sinned. You took that nature of death. And now you are a different creature. And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And so who told you you were naked? And this is the way that God showed me. That you and I can live before Adam sinned. He lived. His consciousness, Adam, saw life, thought about life, felt about life from the spiritual realm, from the realm of righteousness. He saw life, saw everything. That's why he didn't know he was naked. But when he sinned, then he brought darkness to his whole being. And now his eyes of his outward man, his carnal man is dark. And Adam went from seeing life out of the spiritual realm and seeing God and all of that, not knowing he was naked. And it it went from the inner man, if I put word this way in our language, he went from the inner man and went to his natural man. Now that now he saw life out of a carnal thinking, carnal eyes. And he no longer could see out of the spiritual realm like he did before because now he was a dark creature. Well, that's what you were born in. That same, that's the only way you were born was by that that whole experience by the seed of Adam. You were born the same way in darkness with a dark man, living life thinking out of sin, out of carnality, because that's all you had. But let's go back over to 2 Corinthians. And let's just read real quick chapter 4. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to learn this with me. And I know I'm being slow, and but I just feel this needs to be taught as soon as someone's saved, how how important it is to build up your inner man. So many Christians are trying to discipline their outward man, educate their outward mind, and their outward mind will never understand the deep things of God. But now that you're born again, because your inner man is alive, you can understand the deep things of God, and you can have emotions that originate from your inner man, a love, a joy, a peace that comes from heaven. And that's available on this earth. Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians. Verse 4, whose mind the God of this age has blinded. The minds are blinded. They can't see God because they can't see the spiritual truths because they're carnal. The devil has blinded the eyes of the the spiritual man with darkness. Who do not believe lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord. And ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus Christ. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. This is talking about being born again. Light shone, the new nature. All of a sudden, in darkness, light shined. To give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You're born again. Now you can understand and receive knowledge that comes from God. Why? Because the eyes are being opened. 
Our eyes are being opened. When you're born again, your eyes are opened. What eyes? Your spiritual eyes. Your inner man's eyes. When we say spirit, sometimes we think spirit, the ghosts. We think clouds or vapor. We don't understand. Spirit is really mostly talking about your inner body. Your inner man is hungry for spiritual knowledge, spiritual truth. Now I'm just going to give you a few more verses here, and then I'll I'll be quiet. Uh, I'm in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. And we'll just start here in verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and of your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God, this is Paul praying for the church in Ephesus. This is a prayer. That the God of your Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. Now, I'll stop there. I can keep going, but I'm going to stop there. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. So here's the best way I can describe the way God showed me, and then is, is like this. Adam was created perfect. His inner man and outward man were one. They were perfect. When he sinned, Adam received a nature of sin which darkened his inner man and his outward man. So his consciousness, where Adam lived inside of this body, inside of this this person. Because we see this breakdown, inner body, outer body, soul. I mean, there's so much spirit, new nature. Like, why is this so complicated? Because we have accepted a shallower version of Christianity, which says, be born again and be a good person. That is not the walk of God for you. The walk of God for you is not about being a behaved person. The walk of God is about being a transformed person, not just a changed person. I used to smoke, now I don't. I used to drink, now I don't. I used to cuss, now I don't. Those are all good things. Did it come out of you forcing the flesh to do, or did it come by transforming? Adam, his consciousness was in his spiritual eyes. He could see things. And then when he sinned, now he can only see the world through the natural eyes. And then when we were born again... We received the new nature, and it brought to life our inner man, our inner body, the inner part of our body, and it was brought to life to where we have a spiritual mind that understands spiritual truths and spiritual emotions that generate love and joy and peace that come from the realm of God and not from the realm of this earth. And desires, our, our inner man desires because it's uh, alive by the new nature. It desires holiness. It desires righteousness. It desires for us to love and to follow God no matter what the cost. But we are left with an outward body. Now they're, I call them conjoined twins. Our outward body is fighting our inward body. And our inner man is trying to fight against the thoughts and and desires of the outward man. And here you are in trench warfare trying to make it through this life and live like God told you to live. And if you just follow church basic. You just try to conform. You try to change. But there's a process of transformation. We're going to get into it. And it's beautiful. And it's so much beyond what you can actually try and do on your own. 
If you want to know the difference, you can try to quit smoking and put the cigarette down, and you succeeded. But now I want you to go find a, a blind person and get them healed. And that takes more effort than whatever you can conjure up in your own ability. That's the difference between change and transformation. Transformation is life-altering. It's forever-altering. It's not just overcoming something. It's obliterating something in your life that's contrary to God. So when you were born again, you came alive by the new nature. Now you have a you have a new nature which is going to take you to heaven. And it has brought to life your inner part of your body. The spiritual part of your body is now alive. But you still have an outward body of the natural. And when you're born again, you and I live in our the where our consciousness is is left over where Adam Adams saw himself naked. And so he went from seeing out of the inner man to really just seeing everything, thinking everything out of the outward man. And when we're born again, we think and feel according to the outward man. And what God wants is us for to transform from us living and thinking and feeling out of the outward man, looking at life through the, the thoughts and knowledge and wisdom and experiences of the outward man, and to transform to where we are now living and thinking and feeling and experiencing out of the inward man. That the eyes of our understanding, our spiritual eyes, will be opened and we'll begin to transform to that's where we live. We live there. That's who I am. I can say that all day long, but practicality is, it's not the way it is. I actually have to transform from one species, the natural carnal man, to where I am living out of the inner man. And we're going to get into all of that. I hope I stirred up a little bit of hunger in you and thoughtfulness in you. And I hope I haven't confused you. Thank you for going down this path with me and learning about transformation. When we're done, prayerfully, you'll understand the power of what's in front of you and what's available to you because of you are a child of God. And because of knowing, hey, there's a path for me to go down that I don't have to be intimidated or afraid of anything in my future or anything from my past. There's a path that I can go down called transformation where I can transform my life and where I see life and how I live life from one species to another. Nothing is impossible on this path. God bless you. Thank you for spending time with me. See you soon.